Today's episode of Duncan Holder is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunkholder.robinhood.com. That's dunkholder.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield or uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. <laughs> Duncan Holder Podcast, back at you here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you. Of course, you're listening to us uh, through theathletic.com. We appreciate all of the business. Uh, tell your friend, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can get 40% off of a subscription for your annual subscription. Plenty of people have done that, so please feel free to jump on. And of course, if you're listening through Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast rate, Subscribe, review, do all that good stuff, uh, and you're going to hear the best in New Orleans sports talk right here on the Duncan Holder podcast. But as promised from last week, today, all Saints. We know Zion is playing. We know the Pelicans have won a game with Zion. We know Bo Pelini is the defensive coordinator at LSU. We're going to put that to the back burner for now. We're going to be talking all Saints offseason this podcast uh, I know I've written a good bit about it over the last week and a half or so. Jeff has put out a very interesting column on Drew Brees and his future. And so we're going to talk the quarterback position and kind of go through the roster, where the Saints might be able to upgrade, uh, which players they might retain, uh, and where they go this offseason. Uh, but Jeff, look, the talk of, of course, the last let's see, since, I don't know, five years, the future of Drew Brees. But, of course, his future has become easily the most uh, rampant discussion uh, throughout Saints land. Is Drew going to stay? Is he going to go? If he stays, how long is he going to be there? It's been brought up the entire time at the Pro Bowl. Uh, I, like I said, I know you just wrote a column about it. I know Jay Glazer, uh, our colleague here at The Athletic, he's already spoken about how uh, they feel like Taysom Hill uh, could be the heir apparent. Jeff, I know you've been on top of that angle for years, plural. You've been uh, the front runner on that one. Uh, but Jeff, let's just start off with the quarterback situation and your column with Drew Brees. And uh, you had a chance to catch up yourself with Drew Brees uh, before the end of the 2019 season. And I think his his response, uh, I mean, if you're just a human being, boy, you can understand where Drew Brees is coming from. Yeah, I really think, uh, Larry, that the decision that Drew Brees is weighing 
has little to do with football. Uh, I think he really is starting to consider all these other things that uh, life brings you and uh, the responsibilities he has as a as the leader of the team have just grown over the last five to ten years. And um, I think as that's happened, his off-the-field interests have also grown and his family has grown. So there's just very little time. I mean, he went through with me. The, and so just for full disclosure, I'm, I'm working on a book project. I know, Larry, you know that, on, on Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So I've got to sit down with Drew and Sean after the season and in the course of that sit-down interview is when we talked about this. And, and um, you know, it's a big part of, obviously, the book project as well is what's his future going to be. So he went into a lot of detail in that interview about what he goes through on a given week to prepare for a game. And this is probably more Drew Brees than other players. I think he puts more into it to prepare for a game than most players, but it's the only way he knows how to prepare. And it's just such an enormous amount of time that he invests in preparation from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, he was telling me that you know he would he would get get to the office at the Saints facility before like six thirty usually, and he usually doesn't leave until seven thirty. The only reason he leaves is to go home, spend some time with his kids and Brittany, put the kids to bed, and then he goes back into his kitchen. And basically gets on his laptop and does more film prep until sometimes, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And then he turns around and does it the next day. So that's one thing to do that for, what, 16 weeks in a season for five years or so. I mean, he's been doing it for 19 years. And I just think that, you know, that burden that he puts on himself over and over, I think it's just finally starting to catch up to him. And he's at least considering what alternatives there might be other than playing. I don't I don't think he's going to retire, but I think it's the first time he's really considered other options besides being an NFL player. And look, we've heard Sean Payton say he assumes Drew's going to be back. He's he said that uh, while uh, he was in town doing what was it the uh, the ESPN uh, broadcast when they were in New Orleans, of course, for the the national championship game. He was on there the whole time, and they pressed him on it. And he said that he assumes Drew's going to be back. Mickey Loomis basically saying the door's open for as long as Drew wants it to be. And that doesn't surprise me at all, Jeff, considering we know how loyal uh, the Saints organization can be. And specifically, uh, e- even before Tom Benson passed, he was very loyal to the people that he trusted. Of course, Gail uh, is the same way. Uh, we know that Gail is the godmother to Ryland Breeze. And so there is certainly a family connection there. And so, of course, they're going to give every consideration to Drew and what he wants to do. And if he wants to come back, they're certainly going to allow him to come back. Uh, but, Jeff, I do think, though, that you're right. And, and the way he described it to you, he's not willing to cut a corner. If he is, he's probably thinking, all right, my time is up in his preparation and in the things he does. I mean, is that probably a good interpretation of what he told you? Yes, I think that's a great point, Larry. He he only knows how to prepare one way, and he's not going to cut a corner. The only things he's told me that he's kind of, uh, I guess, cut back on in the last few years, and you remember this, I'm sure we've written about it, both of us over the years, is he used to take all the offensive linemen out to dinner on Thursday nights. Um, he said 
they still do that, and often he'll he'll pay for it, but he may not make all those offensive line dinners on Thursday nights because it's a time for him to spend with his kids and his family. Uh, but he will still pay the, the tab on it, and he said he only went to a handful of them this year, and he said that was a tough decision for him as a leader of the team to be able to, to have to cut that out of his work week, but it's just one of the things that he felt like he could afford to cut back on um, that he didn't want to. So, yeah, you're right. He, he can't. He can't go about it any other way in his mind to play at the level he needs to play at. And I think those are the calculations he's making in his in his mind right now. But I will, I will say this, Larry. I, I think the one thing that sticks out to me, though, in the course of this is he said over and over he thinks he can play till he's 45. And I know that's a goal of his. And I think in the end, as he sits down with Brittany and, and his inner circle – that's still going to stick with him. And I still think he's driven to continue to compete. So maybe he finds a way uh, to make it work because uh, I do think he, he wants to go out in a different way. I can't see that last game against the Vikings being his last game with the Saints. I just can't get past that. And it was a blip in the radar, Jeff. I mean, the, the back half of the regular season, he was tremendous. I mean, if you'd have played that way the entire season, he'd be in the MVP conversation again. So it's not like he just fell off a cliff. I mean, people are, are a little too uh, antsy thinking, oh my gosh, all of a sudden he's 41 even though a week ago he might have been 40 and oh my gosh, he fumbles the ball. Like, like he didn't just fall off the cliff. I just think people are uh, overreacting to some of this. And, but Jeff, it, it's funny. I can throw in kind of a a human element to this because, uh, as I like to tell people, uh, I am a year and a day younger than Drew Brees, and I've covered him since 2006. My first day covering the Saints was the day he signed his contract. So I've basically grown older with Drew. Obviously, my skill set is a little different than his skill set. Still, though, you put in a lot of time. You do this and you do that. And let's just think back, Jeff. When he wins the Super Bowl, he's just turning 31. I just turned 30. We're different points in our lives. Uh, you know, he he has one child who is uh, still in terms a baby. And so you're able to do more things. I haven't had children yet. Now I have two boys that are eight and five, and he has four children. Your time and your priorities change. And so like I can read that and absolutely a million percent relate to what he's going through. Yeah, that's why I was saying. Like, it, I think a lot of people are overreacting to the Vikings game. I, I don't think that has anything to do with his thought process or decision-making at all. He's he doesn't have the same arm strength he had ten years ago or fifteen years ago. No one would, but that's not. It, it still doesn't matter. People people are putting way too much focus on that. That's never been part of Drew Brees' game. It's very, it's it's not a big factor for most NFL games. I mean, if you watch most of these most recent games, how many bombs are you seeing thrown? I mean, it very rarely happens. It doesn't seem to matter. I mean, it didn't matter when they played the 49ers and he lit them up. It didn't matter when he completed 29 of 30 against the Colts. Um, so, so people need to get that out of their brain. That's not what is being uh, considered here is his ability to play. It has to do with all these other options. I mean, all these other things off the field. And then I also think, Larry, there, uh, there's, a, there's some real possibilities for him to go into broadcasting 
And we know what the lucrative salary nature is of, of top analysts, what Tony Romo makes. I mean, L- Drew Brees would command more money than probably anyone in the broadcast booth. And he could make a very lucrative salary doing that and and have much more flexibility in his weekly work week to spend with his family. And I think that's a, a real consideration. I, again, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to come back and make at least one more run at this thing. But I do think that's another factor that he's thought about. If he were to be hired by a network, uh, he would bring more cachet than Tony Romo, uh, more credibility, even though Tony Romo, of course, we watched him now in the booth, and he's been arguably the best we've ever seen. But Drew Brees brings more accolades, and I'm going to say this, Drew Brees, I'm going to, if I were to put, Football IQ, Drew Brees versus Tony Romo. I'm taking Drew Brees. I know Tony Romo is great, but Jeff, you and me have seen Drew Brees for how many years? He's smarter than everyone all the time. And so, (laughs) to me, he would be incredible. But yeah, but I'm with you in that this team is still a very good team. And we're going to go into where they can tinker with this uh, later on in the podcast. But he can still play, and he's not just... He's not Philip Rivers. It's amazing to say that. He's playing at a much better level than Philip Rivers, and the Chargers have moved on from Philip Rivers. Who would have ever thought, Jeff, that Drew Brees would have outlasted Philip Rivers on their separate teams? I don't know if I would have, but it's pretty that's a seriously an aspect I never thought uh, I would even be saying, and I just actually thought about it right now. It's pretty amazing that Drew Brees will outlast. Philip Rivers within their same time period within their respective teams. No, that's a great point. I mean, I even thought about that when I was looking up Drew's uh, draft class, 2001 draft class, and I'm getting ready to go, you know, fly off to the Super Bowl this week and um, our, our Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee meeting is Saturday, and there's Reggie Wayne. You know, Reggie Wayne's up for the Hall of Fame. LaDainian Tomlinson's already in the Hall of Fame. Both those guys were in Drew's draft class. Uh, in 2001, I mean, it's just amazing, his career, 19 years, uh, and he's still playing at a high level. He's playing much better than, than Tom Brady is playing right now. And, uh, you know, I don't see people trying to run Tom Brady off. Maybe the maybe the Patriots are, I don't know. But I, I just – I find the, the overreaction to Breeze's arm strength uh, annoying, frankly, uh, just because it's never been a, what his game is all about. And I think fans, at least some segment of the fan base, focuses too much on on one or two balls a game, and they they immediately start wondering if he's falling off a cliff performance wise. And it's understandable to some degree, but it's um, it's not going to be a factor in in this decision making. Well, Jeff, you know me; I may have been given uh, the public the most logical, viable argument against the arm strength theory than anyone in the planet given all the research and the numbers i've done in all the pass routes it's uh it's like i know it backwards and forwards and how it compares it's comparable to patrick mahomes it's comparable to all these other quarterbacks it's so it drives me bonkers too and that's why uh i try to beat the drum on the stories i've written over the past year year and a half or so but sometimes uh people aren't ready to listen and they Fan is short for fanatic, and fanatic isn't typically uh, sometimes a rational person. Uh, ra- so y- you never know how this goes. But, but Jeff, it's funny you mentioned that Tom Brady might not be running off. Look, uh, 
Teddy Bridgewater, uh, it all seems like he's his name's out of the equation uh, that they're going to let him walk. And I'm going to be riding a deep dive next week, kind of showing you where Teddy Bridgewater sits as far as his performance from this year and where it stands in the realm of a starting quarterback. And he is a – his season this year, if it would have continued all the way through, it, it would have been a good season for a quarterback. It's not – at all pro breeze, but it's certainly a winning quarterback, a quarterback that can get you to playoffs. It's comparable to some of Peyton Manning's seasons uh, at the front end of his career where Peyton Manning was playing well. So it's, uh, you know, it's funny how people look at Teddy and they don't, they don't see him as his starting quarterback, which he is. But, but yeah, Jeff, is it kind of in, in your thought process that the Saints, while they like Teddy, they're just moving on? It's not like out of disrespect. They figure if Drew wants to come back, they're going to have to pay him something, and they're going to want to retain Taysom Hill. Well, I think that the outside possibility is if Drew does retire, then they would potentially try and make an offer to Bridgewater and have him compete with Taysom Hill. But I think that's the only possibility because I think Teddy Bridgewater owes it to himself uh, to try and you know test the free agent waters and see what kind of deal he can get. He he deserves to start for some team in this league and his clock is ticking on his career and he's got to think, uh, you know, of that uh, first and foremost. And I don't know if his future is a starter. Uh, it just would be so confusing. And the, and the Saints aren't going to be able to invest that kind of money in the quarterback position if Breeze does come back. What I'll be interested to see, Larry, is, is what kind of offer the Saints make to Breeze if he decides to come back. Are they going to scale down his salary uh, and try to play – Taysom Hill a little more and get him prepared to be the guy. I think there's a lot of factors there on the quarterback position and how this role uh, for Taysom Hill is played out because we know he's been the special team Swiss Army knife in the past, and I don't know if they can continue to do that if he's the main backup. And the age difference, so it's funny you say that, though. Look, Taysom Hill is 30, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to be 27 next year. So you don't think of him in those terms because Taysom hasn't been around the league as long as Teddy, and people sometimes forget that Taysom Hill is a 30-year-old guy. Maybe he doesn't have the same kind of football wear and tear because he came into the league later on and, and didn't play right away, but... Uh, he's still 30 years old, so and, and he, he plays a more bruising style of football than, obviously, Drew and Teddy. So uh, lots more debate on that, I'm sure, as we move along uh, over the next month, month and a half, uh, as we get through the draft process, free agency, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that. But we'll jump into the rest of the Saints roster here uh, coming up in a couple of minutes. But, uh, Jeff, it all comes down to this, Super Bowl 54. Who's going to be hosting a trophy and spraying champagne when it's all said and done? I'm going with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Their season will end on a winning note. Yours can too. This is your last chance to play fantasy football till next season with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Draft your single game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from Super Bowl 54, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code RUN, that's R-U-N, will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at a million-dollar payday. Get in on the Super Bowl 54 action. Download the DraftKings app 
now and enter code RUN during sign-up. For a limited time, all new users will get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code RUN and get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit only at DraftKings. A minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel Anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash DH for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash DH for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, Jeff, let's move on to the rest of the Saints roster. It's not like the Saints are in complete salary cap hell, just like back in those days when they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, when they're having to chop veterans and restructure salaries and just to get under the cap. So it's not like they're in total bad shape. But, uh, you know, I do think that some of this salary cap is going to play a factor in such players as say like a Andres P, do you do you want to pay him a ton of money? Uh, Von Bell, Eli Apple, uh, do you want to go forward with Jan- Janoris Jenkins with an eleven million dollar salary cap figure uh, going into next season? And Jeff, I found it very interesting that Mickey Loomis uh, would would say uh, that I know that he feels that eleven million dollars for someone like Janoris Jenkins for one year isn't breaking the bank. So I would put that in mind uh, as far as moving forward. Uh, but Jeff, uh, right now, cap space going into next season, uh, they're around $11.5, million, $12 million. So obviously they're not one of the teams that has like $90 million, like say the Colts. But they're not pushing the cap. They can make space if they want to. And so I don't think the cap is really going to hinder them as badly as maybe back uh, a couple years ago. No, I think this year, more than ever, they're kind of in a really good position, and that probably was by design. They know they've got a lot of, of internal candidates that they've got to re-sign. Not just the guys that are going to be free agents this year, Larry, but some guys like Alvin Kamara, they probably like to get locked up long-term. I'm assuming they'd like to get him and Ryan Ramchek locked up long-term. So they've got to devote some cap space to those guys. Because I'm sure they're going to go into this offseason trying to get some some um, some of the core players of this 2016-17 group uh, locked in. 
And um, it'll be interesting to see who they go for. I think the most interesting area for me, Larry, is is the cornerback position and the secondary in general uh, because there's so many players there that have played well and then, and then you, you just don't know what their standing is with the team, uh, how they're going to calibrate the cornerback position going forward. They've got a lot of money invested, certain players there, and you also obviously have to deal with uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So um, I, I think that position's one I'm going to watch. Are they going to – it sounds like they, they like Janoris Jenkins and they'd like to bring him back. I, if they do that, that probably, in my mind – spells the end of Eli Apple's tenure with the Saints. I can't see them signing him and keeping Jenkins. Yeah, I do think that entire secondary, it, it, that's a great point. People under contract, people who are not under contract. I think that is a, a really uh, interesting scenario that we're going to have to watch moving forward. We know Mar- Marshawn Lattimore, look, he at least has two more years left. So they don't have to pay him right away, but... Just going back to the article I wrote last week, uh, I did kind of a, a roster audit for the Saints players where their individual players compared to the rest of their peers within each position group. And uh, I used the, the Pro Football Reference's uh, approximate value from 2019, which I feel like uh, is a really good tool. I know you reference it a lot, Jeff. Uh, but right now, it shows after... Th- and it's, this is a single season value. That Marshawn Lattimore would be anywhere between the 8th and 15th best corner in the league, and I think that's viable. Uh, Janoris Jenkins is the tier under him, 16-22, to 22, and then that's a steep drop-off. Look, Eli Apple, they put him barely as a starter, anywhere between 41 and 66. P.J. Williams, they put him anywhere between 67 and 85. Uh, Patrick Robinson, I didn't even do because they wouldn't even put a high enough value to put him on there. Uh, and so you look at it. Apple's a free agent. P.J. Williams is a free agent. Robinson hasn't really done much for you and is is a big price tag. And you'd eat some money if you cut him, but it wouldn't totally stun me if they just they cut him. And so you're wondering where they go there. And then you look at safety. Von Bell's a free agent. And do you trust Marcus Williams going forward? Because, Jeff, in the draft, there might be some viable safety, say, in that first round. Like, say, if a Grant Delpit fell to the Saints at 24, would they be willing to go forward there? No, I think safety, Larry, is a key position for this team because they, frankly, other than Von Bell, haven't had much production there as far as, uh, I think, consistent production. And I don't know how they feel about Marcus Williams either. Uh, And I think, really, I would like to get your thoughts on this. I know we're going to get into future podcasts talking about the draft, but I really think this team can go in a number of directions. I don't think they have to take a receiver like everyone's focusing on. Uh, I think they're going to take the best player available like they usually do. And they're in a position at the end of the first round to where if a safety is there like a Grant Delpit, I guarantee you that's the kind of guy they're going to go after because there's too much value there for them. And they kind of don't have any huge pressing need on the roster. And I think they can have the luxury of taking the best player that falls to them uh, on their board. Jeff, I think you can make arguments all over the map where they could take best player available and it could fit either immediately or in their future plans. Uh, I would look and say, I don't think they're going to take a running back or a quarterback at that spot. But if you wanted to say quarterback, could you make a bad argument with that? No, running back. 
Uh, look, how long is Latavius Murray there? Are you considering Alvin Kamara as a long-term uh, prospect after last year? And how much do you want to pay a running back? I think something like that. Wide receiver makes sense. Uh, I don't think a tight end is going to be there that they would want. But you could maybe not tackle, but guard I would look at. Uh, maybe not defensive bent, but if somebody's there that you really love, go for it. Defensive tackle, you don't know what's going to happen with Rankin's health, Anyamata's uh, free agency, linebacker. You, AJ Klein and Kiko Alonso are both free agents. Corner safety, Jeff. I think you can go in all these different directions, and I don't think it's the same where, say, back in 2018, where they needed a defensive end. And they had to trade up a good bit to go get one. I think they can sit tight and apply. Uh, will, they will probably have uh, their choice of, you know how they usually have a cloud? I think they will have good players there uh, in spots that they would feel comfortable with taking, just kind of in the early reviews of what I've seen. Yeah, and I think, as usual, I mean, a lot will be determined on what happens in free agency. We know how this team operates. They like to use free agency to fill holes in the roster as best they can to where they can go into the draft with an open book and a clean slate and just take the best players they can get. Uh, That's always been the MO of Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and Sean Payton, and I expect they'll do the same. And I think they'll be very, uh, very much in the wide receiver market and free agency to try and add uh, some some production there, some speed, they, you know, not just any wide receiver. They need someone uh, that can get deep. And I know immediately everyone's going to say, well, why do you want to do that when Drew Brees can't throw deep? I know, I've heard that a million times. Uh, they've got to do that to threaten the defense. And uh, I don't think Ted Ginn Jr. will be back here. And he's definitely the one deep threat that they kind of have on the roster right now. So I think that's a, a priority for this team in free agency. Yeah, and it's – Here's the thing. It's like how many Tyreek Hills exist? Uh, you know, not not a ton of them. So it's you got to be careful with what you get. And maybe a young wide receiver with some speed. Maybe they start using Deontay Harris as a threat like that. Uh, at some point, they expand his role in the offense. I just think they need a viable complement. I mean, I know a lot of times we've kind of dismissed a little bit of that, uh, especially once Jared Cook came back and, you know, Alvin Kamara, even in maybe the last couple of games, they started getting to that. But I do think they need a viable option because you just look at the players that they have on the roster, and I don't think they really have one. I don't think Traquan Smith has transitioned into that. And, Jeff, here's the thing. This wide receiver class is really strong in uh, in the draft class. And how much are you going to be wanting to pay in the wide receiver class? I mean, some of the free agents right now uh, would be Amari Cooper, Emmanuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, Damiama, Danny Amendola, Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perryman, A.J. Green. I mean, how much do you want to pay? The person that makes the most sense to me would probably be Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm sure other teams are going to be after him, and I'm sure if the uh, the 49ers are really happy with him, so he might want to stay there. Uh, so that would make life a little bit difficult. And, Jeff, we've seen a lot in the Sean Payton-Mickey Loomis era. They, it's not like they go out and spend tons of money on a wide receiver. I mean, they didn't spend a ton on Ted Ginn. Uh, they, don't, they don't really play the wide receiver market too uh, too prevalent. Uh, they'll draft guys, uh, maybe unearth some guys. So it, that's usually not their MO. No, I agree. I think it'll be a secondary type market deal. Um, they've already got so much money committed to Mike Thomas. That's another factor. You know, they can't 
you can't have too much positional spending on the wide receiver. Um, there's only so much, uh, so large a piece of the pie there that can go to the wide receiver position. So I'd be surprised if they went after somebody like Amari Cooper. What are you thinking with the lineback- the linebacking core, Jeff? Because A.J. Klein is a free agent. Kiko Alonso is a free agent. Uh, well, actually, Kiko Alonso is not a free agent, but his cap number is $8.7 million next year. If you cut him, you save almost eight. I think Kiko Alonso, nice, nice knowing you. We got to move on. Alex Anzalone banged up for two, two of his three years. What do you think the Saints do? Do you think they look both free agency and draft? I mean, what kind of strategy are you are, are you thinking uh, in, within that position group? I think they definitely need a linebacker. I think it's one of their top priorities, especially a certain kind of linebacker, one of those uh, weak side guys that can run and hit, can cover uh, in uh, pass coverage. I think that was a big weakness for this team last year. A.J. Klein in particular struggled in that area, and I think they're going to look to upgrade there. Um, in some some area of the offseason. I don't know if it'll be – I haven't looked at the free agent market for linebackers, but that's a facet of this team, especially with the way the game is going, uh, where more and more passing offenses are taking advantage of linebackers and coverage with their tight ends, with their backs. Uh, I think the, the Saints need that uh, facet to D- Dennis Allen's defense. Uh, whether they can find that in free agency or not, I don't know. But I don't know if – if they're ready to move on from Klein and Alonzo, but I think they would love to add another guy in there and let them compete um, because that's just an area that I think could be upgraded. Yeah, I think if Alonzo stays, it'd have to be on a cheaper salary. He'd have to take a pretty significant pay cut to stay with the Saints. There's no way they're keeping him at that number. That would, I think that would be foolish. A.J. Klein is a free agent. How much do they want to invest in him to, to bring him back? Uh, some of the top free agents, uh, as far as linebacker in general, uh, would be players like Jamie Collins, Blake Martinez, uh, Joe Schobert, Nick Vigil, uh, Devondre Campbell from the Falcons, Sean Lee, so uh, Danny Trevathan. So, like Jamie Collins isn't someone who's going to come in and play the mic. I think because you have Demario Davis who can play the weak side, you need someone who can be an every down guy when they're in nickel capable of playing the Mike spot. The only guy out of those guys I would probably think would be Blake Martinez, and I know the Packers value him a lot. So I think the draft would be somewhere where they look. Sounds homerish, and it kind of goes back to one of my uh, the article I had actually that posted up this morning. Patrick Queen would be a nice addition for the Saints. Can play middle linebacker. He, uh, you know, His stock is kind of all over the map right now, depending on which draft pundits you, you trust. But someone like him, I think, would be a rangy guy who could play the middle and play next to Demario Davis. I, you know, I, I could see something like that. No, I think that's a great point. Patrick Queen, wow, what a player he is. He's got the skill set I'm talking about. Run, can, can play sideline to sideline, can cover, uh, you know, tight ends or backs. Uh, they need that. And, and I think they'll find it. I mean, they, in the past, they've been using their safeties in, the, in that role. We've seen them play the big nickel with – Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, and using Vaughn Bell in that role. I could see them wanting to get a linebacker as well. I mean, the, the game is becoming almost like the NBA where there's positionless uh, basketball. We're seeing positionless uh, back sevens right now where where you want hybrid players that can do more than one thing. 
and have that flexibility for defensive schemes. And the Saints have gone in that direction a lot, but I think they've got uh, more positions they can uh, take advantage of that at. Jeff, where do you feel most comfortable with the Saints as we wrap up uh, this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast? Where do you think they feel most settled going forward? And I'm going to throw out the easy one, tackle. They probably feel great there. Outside of offensive tackle, where do you think they probably feel most secure right now? Well, I think they probably feel pretty good about their defensive line. I know that they've got injuries uh, with you know Rankins and Davenport coming off that, but they've got depth there. They've got a lot of good young players. I mean, Shy Tuttle came on last year. I think Stallworth played well in the interior. Malcolm Brown was a good addition. Uh, they've got to consider getting David Onyemata back. But, I mean, they've got depth along both at end and at tackle. So I think they've probably set along the defensive line. They've, they're going to have to figure out more than anything who, who they want to keep and who they might not be able to keep. Uh, so I think that's a position that they, you know maybe they could add another end at some point. But I know they also like Carl Granderson, the young kid uh, that was a rookie this past season. So I don't see them really having to – and this is maybe the first time you and I have ever gone into a draft – where we haven't focused on the defensive line. Uh, and I think that's a good thing for, for the Saints going forward. I think the loss of Davenport and Rankins in the end was a lot bigger than you know everybody thought. I mean, we knew it was going to be big at first, but I think even Sean Payton mentioned that as something that devastated this defense uh, as the season went on. Yeah, and you lose them all in one fell swoop, and that's hard to overcome. And it's not like Davenport and Rankins. It's not like coming they're coming back from an Achilles like Rankins did. I think they'll be fine, ready to go uh, at the beginning of the offseason. And, Jeff, I agree with you at end. I, 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 they have a one-two punch. People like to use Davenport as a punching bag. I, I think that's incorrect. Uh, you know, healthy. He's he's started playing well again, and I think he can come back and be a viable number two to Cam's number one. I think Hendrickson and Granderson are good depth there. Maybe they add someone. I, I'm definitely in agreement there. I think it's just going to depend uh, on what happens with Onyemata because if he walks, then you probably do need to look for some depth there because you're going to want to have Rankins come back and be a full-time player. Tuttle has emerged, so that's a good pickup. They're going to keep using him. And just some of the free agents that are out there, I mean, you have, uh, as far as the interior, it's like Danny Shelton, Eric Armstead, Shelby Harris, Chris Jones. I mean, these guys are going to command big-time, big-time money. Are you going to be willing to spend that there? I don't know. So you'd have bigger issues at other places where I think they could go. And so, Jeff, as we roll forward, Senior Bowl's over. Combine's coming up. Uh at the end of February, I know uh, we will be there in a force w- with the Athletic to get all the ins and outs, and then free agency is going to be happening. So plenty to talk about as we move forward. So, all right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast. Uh, of course, you can listen to us via Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. But if you're listening to us through the Athletic, we appreciate it, but... We're more than just a podcast, and you can jump in, get 40% off of your annual subscription for year one. Theathletic.com slash dunk and holder. Uh, absolutely where to go. I know people have been subscribing through that. Appreciate that. And you can get the 40% off discount. So for Larry Holder, I'm Jeff Duncan. Want to thank our producer, Danielle, as always, for putting up with us. And we will be back next week for another edition of the Duncan Holder podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.